Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is. Good. 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 To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The 2 1. Swung lane drive left field. One run is in. Here's Kevin Green. This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, down here in Tampa. We have hit the month of June. Happy Memorial Day to everybody. Hope you got to enjoy a semi-long weekend. Had a little time off. More importantly, hope you got to thank uh, the military people in your in your circle of friends for all of their service. And obviously, we mourn the uh, soldiers, men and women that paid the ultimate sacrifice to help us provide us our freedom over all these many years and moving forward. So, happy Memorial Day, but we are on to June. This episode of the podcast, we are going to talk to, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to... Danielle McCartan. She is a weekend radio host for the famed WFAN up in New York City. We're going to talk to Danielle about some New York sports activities. We're going to talk some Mets Yankees. We're going to talk the Knicks and the Nets. We're going to talk fan behavior. We've had several incidents in the last week to 10 days throughout the NBA with uh, fan behavior and incidents that have We've avoided disaster, but there's still uh, things that we need to be dealing with. So we got to, we're going to have a good conversation with Danielle about those topics in just a few minutes. Before we get to Danielle, we're gonna I'm gonna give you some thoughts on the NBA playoffs. We've had a couple retirements in the uh, in the basketball world. Coach K, Danny Ainge. We're gonna talk a little bit. The Lakers, LeBron James, and the Lakers are on the brink of elimination. We're also gonna I'm gonna hit on how the injuries have played a big factor in the NBA playoffs so far with Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid. So let's get to the retirements first. Coach Mike Krzyzewski, Coach K of Duke, comes out with the announcement just a couple days ago that he's going to be stepping down after this upcoming 21-22 season at Duke. The famed Coach K is going to go one more year and is going to be succeeded by Assistant coach John Shire, who's a former player at Duke. Very interesting to, uh, you know, Coach K is, I think, 75 years old. You know, uh, obviously Roy Williams retired a few months back at North Carolina. Hubert Davis taking over for Coach Roy at Carolina. I think this is probably just a culmination of, of he's getting up there in age. He wants to spend more time with his family. The landscape of college basketball in the last couple of years have changed, obviously, with the transfer portal situation with guys being able to pretty much leave free and clear. A lot of transfers in the last couple of years. The the game of college basketball has really changed in the last probably eight to ten years with all the one-and-done situations and all that stuff. So I think Coach K, and obviously coming off the year of COVID, I think Coach K and his wife and the family just made a decision, hey, I'm going to go one more year. We're going to put everything we can into this year. Um, 
I think this was this was probably a decision that was very influenced very influenced by his wife Mickey, who he's been with for many many you know 35 40 plus years. Uh, he's got several grandchildren now. I think he just wants to spend. You know, I think the decision was made. You want to spend time. He's had some health issues as well the last several years. Um, so I think it's just a you know it's, I think it's just a career decision. You know, he's the all time winningest uh, coach. He's going to have all kind of accolades as he as he travels through the ACC this final year. So good for Coach K. The big question is, John Shire is this guy the guy for the job? Always the most difficult job is to is to follow a legend. You had John Wooden at UCLA. You have following Bobby Knight in Indiana. Now you have following Coach K. You had following Adolf Adolf Rupp. All those are very very you know following Dean Smith at North Carolina. Usually, the guy who follows the legend usually tends to have a little bit of struggle from time to time. So, it'd be very, very interesting to see how they ha- how John Shire is able to handle this. Obviously, he's never been a head coach before at any level, so it will be very interesting to see how he handles taking over the Duke job. Obviously, you have several Duke guys around the country at different jobs. Wojciechowski just got let go at Marquette. Chris Collins is at Northwestern. Um, but they stay in the family, on the staff, and John Shire is going to be the new head coach at Duke following Coach K's swan song here in 21-22. So that's big news coming out of the college world. The other big retirement news comes out of the NBA. Danny Ainge, the longtime president, general manager of the Boston Celtics, he's decided he's going to retire immediately. And kind of the surprising part of not necessarily that he retired but the surprise was that Brad Stevens, the head coach, has been elevated to basically the team president, general manager. He will no longer be coaching. They're going to hire a new coach in Boston. There was speculation around the league that you know Brad Stevens was kind of getting burned out on the on the NBA coaching life, and they might have wanted to take more of an administrative role. Um, be very interesting to see how Brad handles uh, this 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 new role as the president, general manager. The one complaint that you know a lot of Celtics fans and guys around the NBA had of Danny Ainge is he was great at acquiring all these assets and draft picks and all that stuff, but he never made that one big, big trade uh, to kind of capitalize on the draft picks and some of that kind of stuff to really improve the Celtics. Obviously, he drafted Jason Tatum, who's turned into a star. Jalen Brown's a really good player, but he never really has given, given the Celtics that third piece Who's, which would make them a championship contender. Kem, the Kemba Walker free agent signing really hasn't worked out too well. They don't have a very good big man. So be very interesting to see if, Je, if Brad Stevens' strategy or, or, or methodology of, of constructing the roster changes at all as opposed to what Danny Ainge was doing with the Celtics. So uh, a search is, is underway in Boston for a new coach. Uh, so be very interesting to see how old Brad Stevens transitions from on the court to in the front office up there with the Boston Celtics. So those are the two big coaching kind of moves and personnel moves in the front office. Let's get to some injury news. Again, injuries have kind of marred this playoff a little bit to some degree as we've gotten into the first round. You have the Anthony Davis groin injury situation in Los Angeles, Hurt himself in Game 4, didn't play in Game 5 as the Lakers got rolled by the Suns in Game 5 and has attempted to play in Game 6, but that has not gone well. He only lasted about 
three or four minutes in game six, and he's no longer in the game and most likely won't return um, for, in game six. Joel Embiid had a meniscus injury in game four up in, in the Washington series as the Sixers finished off the Wizards in five games. The, uh, pro, you know, the, the diagnosis that he has a slight tear in his meniscus in his knee, he's going to attempt to play, I believe, at some point here in this Atlanta series in round two. But again, a meniscus injury, it's always a tricky, you know, any kind of knee injury is tricky because you never know how long that, uh, the ligament and the, and the cartilage will be able to last before it'll be un- unplayable. So two big injuries for the uh, for big men here, uh, one in the East, one in the West. You got the second down showdown set in the East with the Nets and the Bucks. while you have the Sixers and the Hawks as the Hawks wrapped up the series over the Knicks. Uh, heading into round two, out West, the Lakers are on the brink of being eliminated as the defending champions. We, as we talked, game five in Phoenix a couple of nights ago. The Lakers just got absolutely destroyed. No Anthony Davis. They just got pounded, lost by 30. The game was never in doubt, never competitive. You know, LeBron James, a very weak-ass move by LeBron. Five minutes left in the fourth quarter. They're getting rolled. He leaves the bench area and heads to the locker room. Doesn't have the, I won't say professionalism, to even stay on the bench with his teammates while the other teammates have to sit there and endure the beat the beatdown in Phoenix. I don't like that if I'm, you know, anybody that's on the outside. You can't, you can't appreciate that if you're, uh, you know, if you're a fan of the game, you're a team. You know, the guy wants all the good but none of the bad. You know, obviously he's the most, uh, you know, he's under a lot of pressure. He he gets, you know, he's the he's the spokesman. He's the alleged goat outside of Michael Jordan. That's just a bad move if you're LeBron James. It's a bad look when you're rolling out of the of the uh, off the bench, going to the locker room with five minutes left in the game. In game five. Game six is Thursday night in Los Angeles. If you're LeBron James, you better have a big performance. Even if you lose, you better have a big, strong, aggressive performance offensively. You know, he's starting to show some signs of age. Doesn't have the ability to be as athletic as he once was. Not as dominant of a scorer as he once was. Still a great player. But th- these are the moments that LeBron James wants. He talks about wanting to be in that category with Michael Jordan. Well, this is a moment, Game Six in Los Angeles Staples Center, that you can put. You try to put the team on your back. Don't mean you have to score fifty, but you better put your team in a position to try to win the game. So, uh, Lakers in big trouble. Other series in the West: the Clippers and the Mavericks. The series was 2-0 going back to Dallas. Dallas was up. The Clippers do a great job to win both games in Dallas. You think the Clippers have all the momentum in the world heading back to Los Angeles for game five, and then they lay an egg. uh, Kawhi Leonard with an air ball late in game five. The Mavericks and behind Luka Doncic get it done in game five. What a performance by Luka so far in the playoffs. Uh, 40-plus points in game five in Los Angeles, doing whatever he wants to do to that Clipper defense. And again, if you're the Clippers... Please, Rondo, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. I know you're great scorers, but you're supposedly really good defenders. You're getting manhandled by Luka Doncic. Uh, it's, it's 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 embarrassing what you see on the defensive end out of the Clippers. You know these guys claim to be the best two-way wing players, Kawhi and and uh, 
uh, Pandemic P claim that, you know, you better you better win game six, Kawhi and Paul George. That's all I got to say. Or there's going to be some big, big changes in Clipper land from one Steve Ballmer, in my opinion. You lose this series, Clippers. I think Paul George will get traded. I think Tyrone Lou could be in some trouble as the coach. Um, I don't love Ty Lue as a coach. I don't think he's a great, you know, X's and O's guy. He's just kind of a roll out the ball and go play kind of coach. Yeah, he's friendly with the players and all that stuff and good relationship, but you got to be able to coach some, and he's just getting out coached by Rick Carlisle. What a job by Rick Carlisle. Carlisle could be a sneaky a sneaky uh, sleeper pick for the Celtics job. For those of you who don't remember, Rick Carlisle played with the Celtics back in the 80s, was drafted by the Celtics. Um, don't be surprised if Rick Carlisle's name comes up for the Celtics job. But again, massive pressure on the Clippers heading to game six in Dallas Friday night. You better win this game, um, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, or else it's going to get blown up in Clipperland, as it should be. So, Denver has advanced to the to, to round two with an impressive Game Six win in Portland. Uh, Utah has advanced with with a gentleman sweep, five game uh, demolition of Memphis. They destroyed Memphis in Game Five, so you're going to have a, a, a Denver. Denver will play the winner of the, uh, I believe Denver's the 3-6. They're going to play the winner of the Phoenix Lakers series. And Utah is going to play the winner of the Mavericks and the Clippers. So Utah and Denver, to me, look like the best two teams in the West. I really like what I see out of both those teams. Uh, you got young young talent, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Chris Paul's back to, to some health. De- uh, DeAndre Ayton's playing really well for Phoenix. I really like those two teams, and I know that's not a sexy pick for for the TV viewers and for the people around the country. But Utah and Phoenix are pretty too damn pretty damn good teams uh, with a lot of up and coming players, and have uh, would be a good good Western Conference final. But we'll see how again how round one wraps up, and we will go from there. So you listen to the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm Jason. Find us on the different podcast platforms: Google, Stitcher. Apple, Spotify, um, whatever. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Sports if you want to send me a comment about the podcast. Share the podcast with your friends. Again, we've got Danielle McCartan coming up from WFAN up in New York City to talk all things New York sports scene. We're going to talk fan behavior as well. Um, so hang on. We're going to take, we'll be back in just a minute or two with Danielle McCartan of WFAN in New York City. Thanks for tuning into the Powers on Sports podcast. We really appreciate it. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Before we get back to the episode, want to mention Titan Home Lending. If you have any home financing needs in the state of Florida, reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. I can help you with a home purchase, with a refinance, with a cash-out refinance, with a renovation loan, a VA loan, FHA loan, conventional loan, and virtually anything in between relative to home financing. So reach out to me at Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. You can reach me on email at jpowers at titanhl.com. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. Back to the Powers on Sports podcast. Appreciate you finding us for another episode, another Awesome week. Hope, hope everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend. Hope you got to celebrate with your family. And obviously, most importantly, hope you got to uh, 
say thank you to, to a family or a, or a friend or a loved one in your family that's that provided military service for all of our freedom. So again, that's the most important part of that weekend is all that good stuff related to our military and our and the people that made the ultimate sacrifice. Got a good episode for you this week. We've got a great guest. We've got Miss Danielle McCartan from WFAN Radio up in New York City, the famous radio station where sports radio in this country basically kind of got its start full time. So Danielle hosts a uh, show on Saturday nights into Sunday mornings from 2 to 6 a.m. And she's the host and uh, welcome. She's making her debut to the Powers on Sports podcast. Appreciate you joining us, Danielle. Yeah, that's a quite an introduction. Yeah. And, and hey, listen, it's accessible anywhere. You don't have to be in the New York area to listen. So I expect some of your listeners to tune in too. I'm sure there are people all over the country that can get WFA. Where can they find the show at on, online? Yeah, it's, um, it's a, well, I guess you go WFAN.com if you can stream it, or this called the Odyssey app. A, I call it Odyssey. Other people call it Odyssey. It's A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey app. Okay, all right. So you can catch Danielle. She does a lot of great content. She puts interviews, or many of her interviews up online, YouTube page, all the good stuff. So you can... Definitely yeah. find Danielle and her work on WFAN. So congratulations on how long you've been, how long you've been doing WFAN? Uh, you know, good question. Uh, filling in, I guess, since like August of 17, 2017. And then real show, like weekly show since like September of 2019. And then COVID hit. And then I didn't have a show for a while. And now I'm back with a vengeance. Awesome. So here we go. Are you guys back in studio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the thing. I couldn't, I couldn't be home because they only had a certain number of like those Comrex devices, and I didn't get one. So um, I don't know. I guess they streamed the network, the CBS Sports Network, in that in the time that I wasn't there. But um, yeah, I'm in the studio. It's awesome. Feels good cool. to be back. You know, it's fun. It's a fun I, time. I got you. I got you. All right, let's get right to it. We're gonna talk a little uh, Mets, Yankees, Knicks, Nets. We're gonna. I want to first start off with all the incidents, all the fan behavior stuff that's been going on in the games. You know, numerous incidents the last several days from Philadelphia, from D.C. last night in uh, D.C. You've had some stuff in Boston, Utah. Just your general thoughts on kind of the fan behavior stuff that's been going on throughout the NBA here the last week or so. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, fans were, I said this the other night, fans are away for a while, right? And it's like you come back and they forgot how to behave at a game. It's like ridiculous. And I talked about this this weekend. I don't care about like, you know, like, come chanting about a player's level of play you know even Kyrie sucks or whatever you know what I mean or, or whatever Trey Young sucks but like I always say like because I went to a, a, a Jets Buccaneers that was my first game with my dad Jet game and um he's a giant fan but the stuff that was in the stands when I was like 10 years old like I can't imagine like I didn't know what it meant but like with him you know it's like I always say my rule of thumb is if you would say it in front of your kids that's acceptable but when you start insulting people about their personal whatever you know that's the line like you cross it never mind racial stuff throwing water bottles any of this stuff it's just ridiculous flat out ridiculous and i guess it's just that people just forgot how to behave i don't know how else to explain it what do you think on it obviously criminally there's not i mean you can revoke their tickets and that kind of stuff but i think there needs to be some way to, to whether it's criminal whether it's financial penalties, something that's going to be so, so much of a deterrent that people won't do it. And what are your thoughts on, you know, what do you do criminally to, to somebody that does that? You, you know, you saw the guy in Boston get arrested. You know, you had the incident at Madison Square Garden last week with the, with the alleged spitting incident from, from really the courtside seats, which those are the, 
the high ticket seats from the people that you wouldn't think would be the ones doing that stuff. And obviously that happened to Trey Young, it seemed like from all indications. What are your thoughts on what, how do you, how do you, how do you deter it? Well, I guess what you do is, well, it's clearly money's not an, ob, uh, an object for those people sitting in those seats. So to penalize them monetarily, I don't think would, would, would matter. I think um, ultimately, especially think about like, you know, like in, in a smaller market, right? I would, the ban from the arena is, is the best deterrent, I think, because, you know, here, sure, we can go to Madison Square Garden here or the Prudential Center to see a concert or whatever. But like, think about a small market town. Like if you are banned from, Utah, you know, what, Salt Lake yeah, City. Yeah, like where else are you going to go see a concert? Like, so I think that would be the hugest or biggest deterrent would be lifetime ban. Of course, obviously, you know, charge them to the full extent of the law you know, see how much you can get away with. And, right. um, but the thing is like, that's kind of after the fact, like people don't really realize that like now, like whatever happened to those guys, who knows, you know? Right. So, you know, I just think that I would hate, it. you know, I was thinking about this on the drive home before I, I would hate it for like, you know, those areas where the players walk in and out to be covered now, like it ruins it for everybody else. Like that would be a good deterrent, I think, but I don't want to even put that out there because then it ruins the fan for the fans like us. Like we want to see that. That's the cool part where they give the kids sneakers or jerseys or sign an autograph. Like that's the cool part. Right. Like these idiots are ruining it for everybody. And that's kind of where my frustration is lying right now. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Durant had some really good comments about, you know, that about his thoughts on that last night, really good comments. Well, yeah. said. the one thing I will say, I didn't like Kyrie Irving doing what he did in Boston, going to the center court and basically you know, doing what he did on the logo. To me, that incites people to do stupid stuff like they did. And I yeah. think I think the NBA should deal with Kyrie in some way to because that can't be happening from the players. Because, I mean, to me, that, that just incites the fans to think they can do what they want to do if they see Kyrie doing that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it was a, a low class. That was low class. And I don't like when players do that. You know, if you have an issue, you get up at, at your press conference and you state your issue. You don't stomp on a logo. It's just stupid. You know, even in college football, when they do it, it's just stupid. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, again, you're listening to Danielle McCartan, WFAN in New York City. Let's get to your Knicks and Nets. Uh, the Knicks got a pivotal game five coming up. We're taping this on Tuesday. The game five is on Wednesday. Julius Randle kind of, it's been a, the Knicks have been a feel good story this year. Tom Thibodeau taking over. They've overachieved big time. Nobody thought they would be as, doing as well as they've done. Julius Randle was kind of the comeback player of the year kind of guy kind of has been exposed a little bit here in these playoffs. He's really struggled against the Hawks. Knicks down three, one coming back to MSG for game five. Yeah. Well, he was comeback player of the year. Uh, uh, most improved player of the year. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. See when I watch the Knicks, uh, there's just so many different things. We talked about the Knicks for a couple hours this weekend, but uh where do I start Julius Randle I guess we'll start with him he kind of looks totally overmatched um I think he's trying to force things that yep. are not there I don't like as a you know coach I don't like seeing my own players become frustrated very easily like you could see he's taking frustrations out on other players you know the opposing team and that's just not in his wheelhouse that's not in his zone he's playing outside of himself right um and I, I, I talked about this too like he in the regular season logged the most minutes in the league regular season. And to the point that it was three and a quarter games more than the guy below him, which ended up being RJ Barrett. So I'm, I'm wondering if that's kind of catching up to him in a way. I mean, he's not like a, 
I mean, he's what, 26, 27. He's, yeah. but he's not young. He's not, he's not a young player. So I'm wondering if that caught up to him. It's, it's totally in his head when they were chanting overrated. I mean, that was a perfect chant for him. It totally got in his head. Um, but you know what I would like to see, and I don't like this Derek Rose starting thing. Um, I've been championing uh, Emmanuel quickly all year long. I think the kid ha- is a great player. He, he, he finds himself uh, on the bench, which I think is ridiculous. But yeah, what, see, Tom Thibodeau, people don't really question him, but I, I do have a question for him if I were to ever ask him two, twofold. Like, A, Alfred Payton started games one and two for you, and then he, he, he didn't see any minutes in the next two games. So how do you go from being a starter to being nailed to the bench? That's my first question. My second question is, if you got Derek Rose in the starting rotation, like, you know, in boxing, you get a one-two punch. They're missing the two if Derek Rose is on the is in the starting rotation. Right, perfect so, six, if, perfect six man. Right, exactly. So if, if you got Peyton on the bench, if you got Nilakina on the bench, put quickly in. I, I would love to see the, the, the starting rotation or uh, starting lineup when they put it out. If Emmanuel quickly is in there, that would be like my my best advice to this Knicks to give him a little jolt. I mean, because what they're doing is not working. I think the Knicks will find a way to win Game Five. Obviously, Game Six will be a, a total toss up in Atlanta. I'd love to see the game go seventh game because the crowd in New York has been unbelievable so far these first couple games, and it'll be electric tomorrow night, obviously, with them facing elimination. What are the thoughts of the New York uh, market as far as Brooklyn versus the Knicks? Is it it, has the city of New York, New York City, have they taken to the Nets, or are they still totally a Knicks town? Yeah, that's an interesting question here. It's like um, after after game two, I think it was. Uh, all the Knicks fans were spewing out of the garden and they were chanting, we want Brooklyn. <laughs> you got, you got to beat Atlanta first. I don't know if, you know, but um, you got a couple games before you can get that your wish, but you know, the Brooklyn Nets, I don't know. Listen, I'm from New Jersey. And when they were the New Jersey Nets, like those are, those are my Nets, you know, yep. quote unquote. So like, I think people New York is still a Knicks town. Like people call up, I just judging by the volume of calls that I get people would rather complain about the Knicks than talk highly about the Nets. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, the big three, it's kind of like been purchased in a way. I think that's sort of like the feeling, Um, but good for them. We're the radio network of the Nets. So let's go Nets, you know? The Nets are hard to like only because you got Kyrie Irving. He's always got a, I won't say, I think he's a clown. I don't like his antics. So, you know, for, for, for him just to take a week off here and there, that's just total disrespect for me to the organization and his teammates. And nobody ever, nobody ever publicly calls him out about it. That's what bothers me is nobody from the Nets. Cause they always, you know, well, we don't want to, we don't want to upset Kyrie because he's so fragile. I wish Durant or a James Harden would call the guy out one time because it's unacceptable for what he does to the team, you know? It's not going to happen. I know. I know. That's the sad part is it's not going to happen. That's yeah. the scary part is it's not going to happen, but yeah. they're hard to like on the court. They got great talent. No doubt about it. I mean, KD, you feel good for him and he's back healthy and I'll give Harden credit. He's really fit in as a true point guard. Now he's really embraced his role and he doesn't need it. You know, he doesn't need to score 35 like he did in Houston. So yeah. I'll give him credit for that. I don't think they're going to get out of the East. I think Philly or Milwaukee is going to get them. I, I, I know I, that's not the, the sentiment I know, but yeah. I think if Joel Embiid's healthy, I think, I think either Milwaukee or Philly is going to get them. Yeah. I mean, they do struggle with, uh, I mean, they don't have height. That's the thing. They always struggled against uh, teams that have big, big men. So we'll see, but yep. I'm already booking my ticket to the, uh, the ticker tape parade. I want to be in a float. <laughs> I've been saying it. 
<laughs> I got you. All right, your thoughts about the Knicks? You think the Knicks are going to force a game six? Yeah, and my original prediction was Knicks, it, Knicks in six. Okay. So we'll see what happens. All right, all right, all right. All right, let's get to your beloved baseball. I know you're a big baseball fan. You, yeah. you, she's got it. She, Danielle's got her New York Mets hat on. She looks like she's that's it seems to be her team. So let's, no, well, let's I don't let's not go any. Okay, so not, okay my, bad. my bad, my bad. Okay. Um, <laughs> the Mets up three and a half games in the East as we head into this week. Talk to me about the, the culture change with the new owner. Steve Cohen came aboard. They've got they they had the huge signing of Lindor. They traded for Lindor. Have have signed them long term. You got the best pitcher in the game, Jacob Degrom. You got Tampa's own Pete Alonso at first base, right down the street. Grew up right down the street from where I'm at. So just give me a little overview of the Mets so far and their and their chances heading in a winnable NL East. Yeah, it's winnable NL East is kind of where we'll start because everybody was expecting the NL East to be the most difficult to, the division in the entire league, and then. Look, here we go. The Mets are atop the division. I think the last I checked over the weekend, they had the biggest divisional lead over and over the second place team in, in all of baseball. Yeah. And then I don't know if it still is that way, but it was this weekend. And so it's like, and they're doing it with like a triple A roster. I mean, they have 60. Well, I think Pilons was back. So they have 15 players still remaining on the IL and they're wow. doing it with a triple A roster. I mean, that is the biggest like what mind-blowing <laughs> thing you know like they're winning and they're right. winning and and all right I know they have a I talked about this too they have a weak spot in their schedule but beating the Braves like the full-fledged Braves I mean yep. that's something that I was kind of like whoa that's that's pretty cool so you know good for them and Jacob DeGrom that he's he's must watch TV I don't care where you live when he pitches you have to watch. And I, we actually, I got the hat cause we went to a Met game for my dad's birthday and he pitched that day. And that was the day he got hurt. Cool. I'm like, a, I'm like a walking curse. I don't know. I may, yeah, I might so, well watch from home. I know DeGrom pitched on Memorial day. So I think I saw a stat yeah. last night. He threw like 27 pitches over hundred miles an hour last night. Oh, yeah. I saw that as a starting pitcher. That's incredible. I mean, and the guys got like the lowest ERA through the month of May in like 50 years in the major yeah. leagues. It's incredible. Yep. He's a, he's a tre tremendous talent. They tend to never score for him when he pitches. He's always having to win one nothing and two one. He loses one nothing and two one. Well, that was a joke because I'm on Saturday night. The Mets score like 13 runs, and then it was like, oh, you know why? Because Jacob Degrom's pitching tomorrow. They used up all their runs. That's it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But you think Steve Cohen's done a, has really changed the organization with him yeah. coming in? Yeah, I think it's he, he's kind of opening the lines of communication with fans like, you know, what do you want to see? And of course, people give him thousands of suggestions, some stupid, some real good ones. But yeah, I just think that people feel feel like they're a big market team again. Like when they were on the with the Wilpons, they were not operating like a big market team. And, and the fans knew that. And it's kind of like they were playing second fiddle to the Yankees always sure. in New York City. And now. I get as soon as Steve Cohen bought the team, people are calling, me, "Yeah, watch out, the hot house Steinbrenner. Here they come. Here come the Mets." All okay, right. sure. And you know what? It's good for New York, and it's good for my show anyway. When both um, of them are good, absolutely, so. absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's get to the, the, the to the hated Yankees down here in Tampa. We can't stand them, even though there's spring <laughs> training. Literally, there's spring training facilities like a mile from where I live, so yeah. it's right down the street, and they have such history with George Steinbrenner's history with Tampa and all that. The yeah. Five and a half games back of my Rays. My Rays own the Yankees up in the boogie down up there in the Bronx. They're playing this week. They played Monday. They're going to play tonight, Tuesday, and Wednesday. The Yanks are five and a half games out, not hitting worth a flip. Giancarlo Stanton up can't ever stay in the lineup. 
What yeah. just the thoughts of the is any pressure on Aaron Boone? Um, I know I'm putting some pressure on Aaron Boone. I know I'm putting some pressure on Brian Cashman. I am in the minority. I'll say that. I mean, the way this team is constructed fundamentally, and I've been saying this, like, but the way the team is constructed fundamentally, it's it's either strikeout, home run, or that's kind of really it. You know, yeah. like, there is no other outcome. So when they hit home runs, it's it's so up and down. When they hit home runs, they're, they win. they're good. Right. Or when they don't hit home runs, when they strike. Giancarlo Stanton, he came back from the IL. He, he was 0 for 5 with four strikeouts. And then he sat the next day. So, like, what are we doing here? Like, so. Got the, swept by the miserable Detroit Tigers this weekend, who were one of the, I mean, the, probably the them and the Orioles, probably the worst two teams in the league. Yeah, the Detroit Tigers had, at the time, had the fourth worst uh, winning percentage in the entire league. So that. Right then and there, that's the wake-up call. Like, I haven't been on the radio since then, but that is the wake-up call. It, pa- panic button, push it right now. Yep. Because see what the Rays do to them this week? We got the Red Sox coming into New York on, right. by the end of the week. I mean, this is the week. And if they go, you know, win one or two games this week, I mean, that's like a big red flag. Like, it's time. It's just, it's just the way that the roster is constructed, the batting order, I should say. The pitching has been pretty good. Right, you know, and that was the weakness Kluber, that people thought. Yeah, Kluber threw the no hitter. Now he's out for a couple months with a shoulder, so that's going to be something to be be aware of. Yeah, the inconsistency of the Yankees—they they weren't very consistent last year. Just your quick last quick thought on the on, on the Yankees as far as just do you think Cashman makes a big trade to trade either a Torres or somebody like that to shake things up, or do you think they're going to go with what you know they're going to go with who they got and just hope it? Yeah. It's funny you say that because during the preseason, you know, when the hot stove, everything, I suggested a trade of Glaber package of Glaber Torres and whoever else for a Luis Castillo from the Cincinnati Reds starting right. pitcher. People were like ready to crucify me. Glaber Torres, but, but look how he started. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I guess I was right after all. Um, I don't know who I didn't have really, I mean, the trade deadlines two, two months away, yeah. literally. So I, I idealistically what you'd be looking at is a big bat, a big left-handed bat. Um, but more so than a big bat, it's, it's just a guy like a DJ LeMay who, who can get on base. base. A, a yeah. hitter. Yes. A hitter, a true hitter. Center. Exactly. So I don't know who that's going to be. Right. And I don't know who's going to have to go, but I got to say on the, on the record here, I wanted the Yankees to re-sign DD Gregorius and that would have solved all of the problems to be honest. Right. And then you could have packaged a guy like, Glaber Torres for, you know, the thing is with the Yankees, it's like, listen, I'm a Yankee fan, but like <laughs> when you have the second highest payroll in baseball, right. For however many years with Brian Cashman, you've won one world series in, right. in that 2009. Since then it's been radio silent. Listen, people are like, Oh, they get to the playoffs every year. Okay. But getting to the playoffs, this is not the Knicks. This is the Yankees. You have to win the world series. That is the expectation with the payroll and everything. So for me, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be like, you know what? And they don't want to ever part with their prospects. Gary Sanchez is another guy they've held on to thinking he's going to turn it around and just has never really got out of that funk of whatever he's in. Right. And it's mental with him. It's not thing physical with him. It's mental. It's a mental, you know, limitation that he's got on him. And then faster that they realize that the better he's going to be, but in my opinion anyway, but it's just the, the fundamentals of this, the philosophy i'm surprised marcus tim still has a job i mean honestly i think he's i think he's going to be fired by the end of the week honestly because they're not hitting they were like in that detroit series they were 
0 for 25 with runners in scoring position versus the Detroit Tigers. And Aaron Boone, yes. yeah, yeah. And Aaron Boone gets out there and he's like, oh, well, those two top pitchers, you know, Mize and whoever else, you know, they, uh, you know, they're pretty good formidable pitchers. And I'm like, oh, are they? So I looked them up. Their ERAs are over three. What are we talking about here, Aaron Boone? Like, can we stop with this? You know, because I think it, and it stems from him too. Oh, we'll turn it around. It'll be fine. And then that carries on to the players. And then all of a sudden you find yourselves five and a half games back in the Tampa Bay Rays looking up in the, in the, in the standings. And all of a sudden it's like panic button mode. So that's where I'm at right now. It will be interesting to see what the Cashman and the Yankees do, whether it's a managerial change, whether it's a big trade, just to shake. Because yeah. you're right. If they go another month and they're stagnant like this, I think you're going to see Cashman make a move because you're right. The, yeah. with, new, with the Mets starting to play as well, he's they're not going to, you know, the, right. the, the, the fan base and the just the media hype is going to really be put, turn the heat on on Boone. So, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be time. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Tell yeah. us where they can find you again on WFAN. What time? Yeah, yeah. So if you guys are on Twitter, it's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter. Or if you're on Facebook, like my dad only is on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Everything links from there. Um, but on the fan, I'd love for you guys to call in, especially you Rays fans. Let's do it. And then um, if you wanted to just stream it, I guess you could just go WFAN.com and live stream. Or if you have already the Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y app, you can stream it right there. Awesome. One more comment. I'm a huge Islanders fan from my youth. That was my team growing up before the lightning were the lightning. I was yeah. an Islanders fan. Big win last night against the Bruins in overtime. I'm rooting them on, man. I really want to see them do well. I love Barry Trotz and I love the Islanders from back yeah. in the day. So let's go Islanders. Yeah, I, although though I was right the first round, I do have the Bruins winning in, I think I said six. I got to look, but I think I said Bruins in six this series. So we'll see. Hopefully I'm wrong this time around, but that's right. we'll see. Well, Danielle, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Good luck on your show. And we will talk again real soon. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. It's been fun. Right, Danielle, have a great week. Me too. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.